Here is the moment when I started to understand the depth of systemic oppression and how it is so personal. I've mentioned in previous messages that I grew up white in a predominantly white suburban small town in the middle of Massachusetts. As far as I know, that town has never even hit 5,000 people. It's always been under that mark. Growing up in my world, there were a handful of families who were black, indigenous, or people of color. And on some afternoon, in about sixth grade, I was playing with a friend at her house. Now, she was Jewish and white. Um, the house adjacent to her yard had a family with a, a white mother and two, uh, I think, teenagers, both of whom were adopted, black, a brother and sister. And I did not know them. Uh, I did not know these neighbors beyond seeing them a few times around town. That afternoon, my friend and I were hanging out in her backyard on her jungle gym when these two neighbor children came outside. And my friend encouraged me to shout something at them. It was something terribly racist. And I did it. I don't remember what it was. I don't remember what I said, but I said it. And they immediately ran back into their house their mother came outside and started yelling at us um, and threatened to go talk to our parents. So in addition to being terribly embarrassed and shocked at myself for what I just did, I looked at my friend. I knew enough about Judaism to know that people in her tradition and culture had been oppressed for centuries. And there she was, encouraging terrible treatment of other people who also suffered from bias and racism. Why? Why was she inflicting this upon them when her own people knew harm? And I was able to take it one step further in my mind. Wouldn't it be so much better if people who were marginalized, oppressed, could find common cause and work together. All these years later, and I am still amazed at how easily I went along with her. I mean, truly, I did not think about it at all, which is probably partially why I don't remember what I said. What stuck with me just as much um, is that tiny glimpse at how complicated oppression is in our world, of how people are set against each other, of how one group enforces oppression of another, and of how our world would be vastly improved for people understanding each other as human rather than other. How the world can be an entirely transformed place if we knew each other's struggle and made a different choice. So much is before us, so much is within us. As Bernard Loomer said in the words I offered in a previous message, he calls us to the size, the size of our soul, of a person's soul, 
the range and depth of your love, your capacity for relationships. I mean, he says, the volume of life you can take into your being and still maintain your integrity and individuality, the intensity and variety of outlook you can entertain in the unity of your being without feeling defensive or insecure. I mean, the strength of your spirit to encourage others to become freer in the development of their diversity and uniqueness. So says Loomer. That, as my colleague Teresa Soto says, all of us need all of us to make it. Doing this work for justice Doing this work for justice is not because others need us, although that's certainly true. It's not merely for someone else's benefit. The work is ours because our personal world depends on it. And certainly our faith does as well. Unitarian Universalism is in the midst of such an opportunity uh, earlier this spring, about 20 people from this congregation signed up to participate in a study action program with four other Unitarian Universalist congregations in our area. The document we studied was a report called Widening the Circle of Concern, and this report came from the Commission on Institutional Change that was approved by the vote of the delegates, members like many people in this congregation, um, approved by a vote of the congregations in 2017. The catalyst for creating this commission was a hiring controversy in spring 2017 that showed the long result of patterns of bias against folks who were Black, Indigenous, and people of color. This wasn't new, but that moment really revealed it in an entirely different way. And the commission was charged with exploring in depth both our history and current experience of historically marginalized populations in a religious tradition such as ours that benefits from white supremacy culture. The report covers major areas of our Unitarian Universalist Association, including theology, how we are structured, religious education, staffing, and so much more. And each section includes recommendations along with personal testimony and experience. Those of us who went through the program with a total of five congregations, we can't reproduce the experience of 11 weeks of study. But this worship is capturing some of that essence and providing a glimpse of the experience and where we might go from here. After spending almost three months in this program, I wanted to come back to the congregation and follow up name some of the struggles, some of the opportunities, and offer a couple of invitations. So the struggle. The struggle for me in this reading through the report is to hear yet again some of the heartbreaking witness from folks who are Black, Indigenous, and people of color. Stories that Perhaps I'd read for the first time, but I certainly knew some of those details. I had seen them in other places in my ministries. 
about the casual and unintentional biases that happen all the time, but also sometimes when there was even pretty explicit disregard and disrespect of somebody based on their race or their appearance. You know, I have seen people in congregations being treated as the help instead of as a fully equal member. I've seen religious professionals who are people of color and who have to avoid talking about racial justice or a lot of forms of injustice because if they did so, how quickly they would be identified as having an agenda or having a single focus of their ministry. Or how often members and friends of the congregation have been asked to speak for all marginalized people and again and again been asked to teach, tell me what's wrong, I want to know, but without regard to uh, the emotional demand that that brings to people. Our faith has this language of welcome and diversity and being inclusive, but it's also true that someone who is a person of color still has to carve out that true inclusion, oftentimes within the congregation. Thank goodness people have found each other at so many events, on social media, in so many ways, so that they're able to create spaces, uh, caucus spaces, gatherings, worship, forms with community within community, uh, so that they can share experience and be more immersed in this progressive tradition. These are just a few of the points amid a wide uh, range of experience and legacy of struggle and harm. But the long and the short is people have been not seen and not believed in a progressive faith that says there's truth from so many sources and values inherent worth. You know, for all that we proclaim that first principle of affirming and promoting the inherent worth and dignity of every person we so often fail at treating each other as fully equal humans because of how we look and where we come from. We're still moving in the frame of the white Protestant church and struggle to understand how to receive the joy and the vision that comes from people such as Reverend Kimberly Quinn Johnson spoke about in the reflection I shared of the joy that could be in Unitarian Universalism, how much we can claim that and need to. So there are some of the struggles. So here's a couple of opportunities. As time goes on, more and more groups are working together, are coming together to say, this work against oppressive systems, even within our own uh, denomination, this is important and this is what work that we can do together. We have Black Lives Do You, we have Allies for Racial Equity, which are the white allies working with people of color. Our religious educators are leaders in this effort, ministers, members as well, and the denomination itself saying, this is truly important. We need to take up this work that is the work of our time. And we also have the addition of an eighth principle uh, that is being proposed and, and approved so far by many congregations, and we're starting to talk about that here. 
The eighth principle would be an addition to our current seven principles. And in sum, the eighth principle says that we promise to build a safe and welcoming community free of racism and oppression. We promise to build a safe and welcoming community free of racism and oppression. That eighth principle calls us to continue our journey toward wholeness as a faith of compassion, honesty, forgiveness, reconciliation, that we would keep encouraging each other and ourselves to grow in mind and body and spirit. And we do this work. We are taking up this work as we are also celebrating the 60th anniversary of our Unitarian Universalist Association. We have been doing this for all of these decades and in our tradition for so many decades before. Now is a time, the time, to keep moving forward into the values that we profess and truly live into our desire to say we want to add to the healing of the world. So let me offer an invitation. And by invitation, it's a question to consider where is this work personal for you? Where do you come into our work for justice? I come into this effort, not only as a minister or as part of the faith, but as that youth who was so awful to my neighbor and did not speak out against my friend. I don't center, I don't enter into this work as an act of helping. I, I come into it because it's my work as a human being. So my invitation first to you is where is this work part of your humanity? And the second invitation is to be part of the effort in our congregation. The group that was part of the study action program uh, in widening the circle of concern is continuing and looking to, um, looking to move forward with these efforts. In fact, it's replacing the internal racial justice uh, section of our racial justice project in the social impact committee. Widening the circle effort um, is having kind of more energy at this point and also goes beyond uh, the very basics of adult education. We have an opportunity to look at how the entire congregation functions um, a little bit at a time. Not going to do it all at once, but to start. And it would be important to start here. If you'd like to know more about the widening the circle of concern, you're welcome to talk to me, somebody from Social Impact. Um, Look for more information. There are so many ways in which we have faltered and failed in this work for justice. As George O'Dell reminds us, we need one another in all the times. As Teresa Soto reminds us, all of us need all of us to make it because we have this possibility of growing in size and complexity along with our great universe. Because our work, this work, the social effort among us is personal work. It makes a difference in each of our lives. This effort for justice is personal. So I invite us May we be more open to new ways to know hope 
and love and joy and to keep living into that effort. I want to conclude this message from, uh, for, with a prayer from the Reverend Viola Abbott as read by Cassie Enns. Uh, and then we follow the closing hymn, Be the Light by Leah Morris.